Hello, it's me, Clara Ampho, and in anticipation, I hope so, I'm anticipating it, I hope you are too, of the third series of This City coming later on this year, I thought I'd drop a special mini-series featuring some incredible guests that I just couldn't wait to share with you. So, in this three-part series, I will travel through London with some of our nearest and dearest Londoners and adopted lovers of the city. This time on This City, we are finally doing it, welcoming somebody that I've wanted to get on the podcast for a long, long time. Diary dates have always gotten in the way, stuff has always gone down, but we're doing it, very excited. She is my fellow Radio 1 broadcaster and DJ, so creative and so fun. I've been living for her Instagram content during the whole pandemic. Most importantly, I've been loving what she's been putting out as an artist. Um, her tune, My House, is an absolute banger and there's lots more to come as you're going to hear in this conversation. Former club kid turned queen of clubs, this is Jodie Harsh. Here we go. Bloody hell, <laughs> dear listener. It was, it was, uh, it was a journey but we got here. I am so, so, so delighted that this city is back and I'm so happy to welcome onto it the incredible Jodie Harsh. We finally did it, babe. Hello, we got there. We're here. We got there. <laughs> We're here. Well, look, Jodie, welcome to the city. Um, let's talk about the first time that we met properly in London because I've seen you about a little bit. I've seen you here and there, but the first time I remember us like properly chatting, I think was at, um, was at Fashion Week. Darling. Yes. So this was at the Ashish fashion show, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. So this was just pre-pan, I think. Probably. Yeah, it was. I want to say it was February 2020. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So we're going, we sort of like, we're sort of six to eight weeks before full on lockdown. Um, there were maybe some rumblings of some mad disease that might be on its way over to this country. But we were still very much out there doing normal things yeah yeah it was um a, a different time like i think if we i don't know man like ignorance is bliss isn't it like if if we knew then yeah what was coming because there was no I one meter rule at that fashion show we were i think it was there were we we're all on the bench when we really when we re i was basically sat on your lap yes like it was we were real, very close <laughs> yeah we were very we were sat very close towards each other and I think everybody was like gawping at Billy Porter because he was just there like being fabulous and I think we yes. we got to sit next to him and I, yeah. I don't know about you but I was trying to pretend to be cool but inside I was like ah! fangirling out yeah yeah that show was fab wasn't it love Ashish big fan no yeah. All the sparkles all the sparkles yes. um, can we talk about the ridiculousness of fashion week because yes. don't get me wrong it's fab, but I think it's it's kind of silly at the same time. How do you feel about it? I think that well, the fashion industry is ginormous, and I think Fashion Week is where the ideas are born for what kind of trickles down through to the mainstream. We've all seen The Devil Wears Prada, right? Do you remember when <laughs> Miranda is there holding the two belts? And what's her name? Andy's like laugh, laughing at the... Uh, because they both look identical. And she sort of explains that the decisions in this room or, you know, literally like filtered out to Topshop or something. Cerulean blue. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, Fashion Week is all kinds of ridiculous. There's all sorts of egos and, and ridiculous moments and things like that. But I don't, per you know, obviously I don't, you, we don't work in the middle of the fashion industry. So I think we can sort of mm. like stand back and go, this is a bit ridiculous, but also it's really fun. And it's, you know, yes. it's a big business. I just love going to fashion shows and seeing, you know, supporting my friends, if I know the designer 
or DJing at parties or just seeing new ideas, seeing interesting new ideas, you know, and like meeting people and stuff like that. Because it, it sort of creates this sort of hub where people will fly in from out of town in normal times. And, you know, you get, you know, I met you at a fashion week thing, you know, yes. we may not have met in real life otherwise. So um, it's a great time to sort of connect with people and see some new ideas and yeah, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> yes. That, that, and I say, I say ridiculous with, 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 uh, with, you know, tongue firm in cheek with a lot yeah. of love. But yeah. I think that you, you have to, you have to laugh at these things. Yeah. Um, talk to me about DJing. Um, at fashion parties, actually, like, how do you navigate those? Because I find in certain spaces that you know the 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 job of the DJ is to get people on the dance floor, no matter what the situation, right? Definitely, yes, absolutely. I feel like a fashion party is not really a moment to be self indulgent. You're not exactly telling a story. You're not taking them on a journey. You're at a party that lasts three hours, finishes by midnight. The bar's free everyone's caning it on the free bar and you're there to make them dance. Play D-Light, um, play Madonna, play, you know, but whatever, get them dancing. Fashion right? people are not snobby when they've had a few drinks. You know what? That's very true too. That's very <laughs> true too. Um, I want to talk to you about your partying plans for the future before we go back into your past and how you arrived yeah. in this wonderful city. Because one thing that I've absolutely loved during the lockdown has been your post-pan <laughs> party Instagram yeah. series. Yeah, They're so fun. Talk oh. to me about how they came about. So I have a folder on my phone just full of screenshots and inspiration and like funny memes and just things that, you know, are, are my taste and my world and things that inspire me, you know, whether it's Studio 54 pictures or like Lindsay Lohan dancing in Mykonos, because this is how we throw a party <laughs> in Mykonos, Mykonos, bitch. Mykonos or, bitch. You know, or, or like, um, I don't know, like uh, just whatever, just like really funny moments or inspirational moments. So I just started putting them together and, 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 because we were, we were really missing the dance floor, weren't we, at that point? Sort of six months ago, I did those. And um, so just put them all together, reminiscing. And, but the thing is, they, they provide such joy. Like, you know, I think people can often, you know, poo-poo um, a platform like Instagram and like mm. social media and like sharing. But, you know, sharing pictures is is a is is a art, is an art form as, as tame as old as time. You know Absolutely. What I mean? and, and during lockdown, it's really all we had. You know, we thank God for the internet when we went through this pandemic. Right. Like, it kept us connected. It kept us sort of visually engaged. It kept us talking to our friends and like reminiscing about the good times and, and like looking forward to things that are going to happen in the future, I think, you know. I guess loads of, loads of new ideas were born um, during lockdown as well and stuff. So, you know, I'm quite a sort of, let's look at, glass half full person we've been through something horrific but i always try and sort of think well you know new ideas were born in the pandemic and you know try and well this is it i mean well this is it because we're at we're at a very you know at the time of recording this we're at still at a bit of an in-between space mm. when it comes to what we know about the future just like going out mm. and you know i i guess just kind of reconnecting with our sort of hedonism yeah. like with our friends like talk to me about raving like in london like your first the first time you like went out Oh my Here. god. Okay. Not, right. <laughs> so your I, face just lit up. Yeah, yeah, because I love talking about this. I started going out when I was way underage. Um I got a great fake ID. Um Who from? Um I hmm probably some shop on 
Oxford Street or something. Like, so I got some, like, fake student union ID or something like that. And I got into GAY at the Astoria. And I would start going there. RIP the Astoria, an amazing venue that's now, like, crossroads right. or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I st there was about, there's about a three-month period where I would essentially run away from home every Saturday night, live a secret life in London, going to GAY at like 15, 16 years old, doing all sorts of things that, you know, I was <laughs> too young to do. Um, and it gave me such an education about, about the world. And I got to see like my favourite artists perform because every every week there'd be like, a, a, you know, like a, a pop star performing at GAY. So I'd go and like see... S Club Seven perform or something like, that. <laughs> or like, or you know, or sometimes you'd get a really rubbish one. Sometimes it'd be like Bjorn again, you know, the Abba tribute band or something. And um, I, I did that for about three months, and then I got caught um, for being under it. I think they, I, they, they properly ID'd me. They said we, we, you know, we need to see a passport or something, and and I was, I was chucked out the queue, and. Um, we went back to someone's house for a bit of an after party and then ended up, I think I was about 16 at this point, then ended up at Trade at the Turmills, another club that's yes, not there Farrington. anymore. in Farringdon. In Farringdon, mm. exactly, which is now mm. an office block. And that was like a crazy after hours um, club that went on till like midday the following day. And I was like, I was at Trade on the dance floor until like 10 a.m., like... I hope I'm not getting anyone in trouble by saying all this, but I don't have any regrets. It really gave me, I, I learned so much about music at that point. And that's when I started getting into house music in a serious way. And um, there was trade and then there was the, in the main room. And then there was a second smaller room called trade light. And that was a bit like a glitter box kind of vibe, a bit more disco, a bit more kind of soulful stuff, a bit more... Um, kind of funky sort of funky house that kind of stuff like it, it was a bit of a lighter um alternative to like hard house in the main room and so then I started going to trade every week and then then I got caught by my parents that you know and, and all this was sort of uncovered that I was having this secret life in London doing all sorts of things and, and where, where were you traveling in from because you're you're from Kent right yeah I'm from Canterbury right. in Kent right. so hour and a half on the train um, I actually went to school in London from the age of 13 to 16. So I kind of, that's that's sort of how I managed to get, still get into London on the weekends. It's kind of complicated, but but right. I got there. But, you know, any means I got, I got to London. I got to a dance floor from, from a young age. And, um, and yeah, then I went back to college in Canterbury, did my A-levels. And then I moved to London when I was 18 to um, study fashion, actually. I went to London College of Fashion and studied journalism. And that's when I started going out absolutely every night. Like there wasn't, an, I don't think I stayed in while I was at university once. I mean, it was every night. I'd go to um, the Scala. I'd go to Pop Stars every Friday. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'd go to Discotheque at the end, which was in Holborn. I'd go to Trash, which was Mondays at the end, Errol Alkins night. I'd go to the um, Nag Nag Nag, which was at the Ghetto. Do you remember the Ghetto, that club? Yes, yeah. I'd go to Boombox on a Sunday. I'd go to Fiction at the Cross, which is now the University of the Arts up in King's Cross. I'd go to Bagley's. I think I ended up at some garage raves at Bagley's, um, which then got renamed Canvas. All these clubs have gone. 
and I'm, I'm in the last decade. I wanted to talk about that. Like, I mean, how has that been for you as somebody, you know, who enjoys dancing on dance floor, somebody who provides enjoyment for people on the dance floor? How has that been for you to see that evolution of Clubland in London from then to now, especially now with what's been going on? It's so sad when you, when all, all the clubs have been, I've literally got a t-shirt that says all the clubs have been closed down. And it's so true. Like all those great places have closed down. But then also that's always happened historically. All the best clubs in New York, you know, were great for five years, lasted another three years, then were shut down. Now they're luxury flats. It's kind of always happened over the, over the last mm-hmm. hundred years or something. It's not like a new thing, but I think it's probably accelerated a lot um, over the last decade in London because mm. really all the best clubs have have closed down and we're really just holding on to the last remaining few and we need to protect them. Uh, we need to protect you know the Scala for example I think even Coco's turning into a sort of members club and you know so I heard yeah so so we do need to protect spaces um in general Uh, nightlife spaces must be protected because they're very very important to the tapestry of city cities and people move to London partly because of this of of culture and night culture so if we're losing all these venues because they're turning into three million pound apartments we're really losing the soul of the city the heart and soul of the city we're, lo- we're losing the live music we're, we're losing the dance floor moments you know um i was walking through soho the other day it's just like a giant pret manger and i love <laughs> soho but you know listen I'm... We, lo- we love a coconut latte base we love one from there but we still, love a coconut latte <laughs> yeah do you, do you know what i mean and it's like I, and, you know, and even I'm not that old and I walk down the street and, you know, I walk down Great Street and I'm saying to my friend who's, you know, eight years younger than me, oh, that used to be this little independent, you know, so-and-so place where you'd get a, a drink at 5am secretly. And it's, and it's kind of all gone. Um, mm. So it's, yeah, I, I've definitely seen the gentrification of London um, accelerate. Still love it. Still my favourite city in the world. But I've, I feel like more needs to be done to protect... Um, spaces, independent spaces, safe spaces, great spaces that this city, that the, the, the reason we love this city for. Yeah, it's, uh, do you know, there's two things you said that, that really, really spoke to me, like just about um, just how people find family and they found they find, find culture there because, mm. you know, hearing you speak about how when you were like sneaking out from like yeah. Kent to London to go raving yeah. and like you were out every night, I just got this vision of you just like finding yourself, finding your people. Totally. Um, I mean, I mean, think yeah. about the characters that you met and like, and, and, yeah. like, and just, I guess the, fam- the family that you found, I presume? I t- totally put together a chosen family, yeah, at a young age when I really needed um, that. I really didn't mm-hmm. have it. There was a time at home where, you know, it was quite turbulent, especially where my parents, especially my dad, found out that that I was queer. Um, mm-hmm. At that moment, if I didn't have that escape to um, London, as illegal as it may have been, because I was absolutely underage, I don't know what I would have done. And I've always felt like the odd one out. Um you know, on the, 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 the sort of the black sheep of the playground, I've always been very different. I've always presented very differently to to my peers at, at school or whatever. So when I walked into nightclubs for the first time and I saw all these unusual characters and I saw just a room full of queer people, as I was adjusting and coming to terms with my sexuality, I really felt at home. And that's another reason why we need to keep these places open because it's so important for younger people to walk into a place and think, oh, I do belong here. I do belong with these people, I, there is a there is a place for me. I think it's really mm. really important. 
Um, and the and the characters. I mean, I was hanging. Out, I've hung out with all sorts of people. You know, like listen, drop some names. I always say to everybody on, on this podcast, never be afraid to drop some names because yeah. I want to hear it and other people want to hear it. So hit me with it. So when oh, I've got, I've got a couple of stories. So the, the the reason I started doing drag is because I was going to heaven really regularly at this point, and there were these two drag queens who were twins, and they were called Brandy and Petra, and Brandy had just won the competition. Miss Kudos. Kudos was a bar in um, Covent Garden. It was it was an LGBT bar, and her prize for winning the drag competition, Miss Kudos, was to to do the door <laughs> at Kudos every Saturday. <laughs> so she won a job. <laughs> it was so really random. And Love I, that. And you've won free labour. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I think she was probably paid, maybe paid in drinks tickets, and to see her on the door looking amazing like a celebrity holding a clipboard with with power dressed like something completely alien you know dressed in drag i was like oh my god this is the most incredible thing ever i i want to be able to do that and they taught me how to do drag her and her brother slash sister petra they they yeah they taught me how to do makeup and stuff like that and they lived near what? lakeside and we, a few times we'd go out to heaven and then drive back they drive really drunk <laughs> after heaven and drive back to their, their house in like Thurrock near Lakeside or something and like we'd go stop at the petrol station they'd be in drag and every you know all eyes were on them of course because the car full of so just turned up and I just remember that that was um, really attractive to me yeah talk to me about some of those early drag looks because look obviously you look exquisite <laughs> in 2021 but look everybody's got to start somewhere those early drag looks were they were they the levels was it always this good? Or... It was not always good. I'd say it started getting good about three years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so it started getting good in the pandemic. <laughs> right, okay. Okay, okay. Um, when I was really um, adventurous with my dressing in the first few years. Um, and I was trying out all sorts of different looks. I was like sticking a feather on my eye, a peacock feather on an eye, like an eye patch. I, ha I was making like earrings out of CDs. The, the the very first night that I moved to London, um, I went out with my friend Kingsley. We went we went to heaven. This is when I moved to London to go to university, and my friend was getting off with this with this guy, and I'm left on the sidelines. Like, okay, well, I'll just make friends with this guy's friend then. And Kingsley, the guy that he was he was kissing, turned out to be Kim Jones, who's obviously now wow. a Dior and stuff. And the guy that Darling. I was left hanging out with on the side was Nicola Formichetti who's like Gaga's stylist and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Now. So they were both, I think like Nicola was at Days of Confused at that point and Kim Jones was um, doing his own thing. I think he'd just done a collab with Umbro. And he Umbro, was like- Umbro, yeah. Yeah. And he was this brand new designer. He was like the brand new name. He was like the Charles Jeffrey or something. Like everyone was talking about this, this person, Kim Jones. I'd heard the name and I thought it was a woman. You know, I was like, Kim Jones, who's she? She sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> So we, Kingsley then went out with Kim Jones for like 18 months. So the night I moved to London, we all sort of became friends together. So um, Kim would lend me, he's always had this amazing archive of Vivian Westwood and sort of old body map Ooh. clothes from the 80s and stuff. And so Kim for a while, while Kingsley was going out with him, would like dress me up in like archive Vivian Westwood pieces and wow. like, so like I'm like 19 years old, 18 years old, running around London in like 
major pieces. But we've I bet work. you thought you were the baddest thing on the fucking machine. Uh, my ego was, you know, and throw a bottle of vodka into that and, and, and a pair of high heels. And my ego, I thought I ran this city. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, I am the shit. <laughs> Babe, I would as well. I would as well. So you guys are getting out and about all these parties. Do you remember like the first paid DJ gig you had um, in London? Yes. So there's a performance artist called Scotty. He used to be in a DJ duo called Your Mum and Your Dad. And they had a Saturday night party at Bar Music Hall on Curtain Road. And it was called Antisocial. And... So your mum and your dad and I, I used to call. I, I didn't get on with them that well at this stage. I called them your scum and your sad. I think or something like that. Like I was a bit like, yeah. oh yeah. And then they, they said to me, oh, will you? I, I'd started getting a bit of a name for myself around town, and they said, would you be up for coming down and DJing? I was like, I guess. I mean, I love music and I have a big music collection. And um, a friend of mine, my flatmate at the time, taught me the sort of technicalities of working my way around the DJ booth and I just went in and did it and it was great and I when I was doing it I was like this is okay this is what I want to do I have yeah. arrived at the destination this is what I should be doing this feels right was that a bit of a hallelujah moment for you would you say yeah I definitely I definitely remember leaving that night you know with 40 quid and you know after having spent my three drinks tickets and I was like this is it this is what I should be doing. And then I had a club night at Too Too Much, um, which is now The Box. And right. um, and I started DJing at that around that time as well, purely because I was like, well, I'm a DJ now, so I should be playing my own party. And I'd like do the opening set. And then when the first people started coming through the door, I'd be like, ah, where's the real DJ? Take over. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I got started as a DJ. Yeah. And, and the, you know, you're in such a, an incredible space. So I've got to talk about my house. Like, that song, yeah. it's just, you know what? Some of my favourite songs are the ones that sound like, that could have come out in, like, the 70s and yeah, 80s would yeah, have been a hit totally. then. Yeah, but yeah. it still sounds so contemporary yeah. and so and so fresh and so inviting. Yeah. When you made it, were you just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm on to- it felt really good. It felt really good. And there is a little sample in there from a band called the Mary Jane Girls as well, which from oh, of yeah, and there that's from, I think yeah, I can't really think it's the eighties, and um, yeah, I definitely wanted to do something that sounded really mad that you couldn't quite place when it was um, made, a bit like Duck Sauce, Barbara Streisand. You know, it's mm. kind of like just a really bonkers, heavy beat kind of a bit old sounding, but really fresh sounding. And then I added that everybody's welcome in my house line in just because it's like, that's everything I stand for in one sentence. That was just like a silly little thing I did in the studio. I was like, oh, I think I have this idea. I turned the microphone and went, everybody's welcome in my house, then pitched it down. And that's like become my tagline or something. Like people literally come up to me at places and like, everybody's welcome in my house. <laughs> and like they tweet it Sick. to me and stuff like that. Um, yeah. I just, and, and I think it, the good thing about that song, and people really sort of grabbed on, onto it while well, they are stuck at home in their houses because it just sounds really happy. I think it's just mm. a really happy beat, isn't it? Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that video because you literally got everyone and their mother involved in that from the yeah. drag world. Yeah. Um, I know you've probably spoken about this a million times, so I'm going to ask you uh, uh, for the million and first time. Like, how was it just collating all of those people? Not going to lie, 
it was a bit of a ball ache, to be honest. Like, <laughs> trying to get 61 drag queens to send in their videos. But we got there. Yeah. We got there in the end. And some of the people that I thought would be, like, really slack in getting their videos emailed, because I was just, like, hitting them up on Instagram. Like, hi, babes. Um, I've got this new song out. Would you just do a little video on your phone, like, miming to a line? And the ones that I thought would, like, that just it would just never arrive. People like bag of chips. I thought bagger's never gonna do it. Like she's just oh, good. not. Okay, you know you're naming some names. I thought you were gonna hold that. Oh no! I, oh, I am here to name and shame. I was like right. bagger chips. She's never gonna end up doing it. We'll never get a bagger. Just like the second one to send it in. <laughs> I was oh. like amazing. <laughs> um, who was slack? Who was slack? Go on. Who was slack? Let me think. Don't 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 say Bimini. No, she was Bimini was really good as well. Who Love was that. slack? A, f- a couple said no just because they were sort of not in drag or something like that. And I was like, okay, oh, we, we are on Drag Race okay. right now, so I think you are in drag, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but also, like, you know, I just asked for a favour from, yeah. from my sisters. So that's that's um, that's not a problem. Yeah, it's nice but then to again, it comes, but, but, but again, it comes back to, I guess, the community that you spoke of and, like... Totally. I mean, I mean, dare, dare I assume, but just from, you know, just from observing conversations and from what we're talking about, you know, um, and just because, you know, I'm such a scholar because what's Drag Race 1? I think she's yeah. an expert. But, yeah. but no, <laughs> um, you know, a recurring theme that I that I have been educated on is just the it's just the feeling of family amongst queer people, especially through nightlife. Definitely. A lot of us met through going out, um, mm. and, you know, going back to our conversation earlier. And, and I think... British drag is so it's also so diverse as well like the family is so diverse and it's just like all sorts of different even just watching the show you know that there's a a a, a, a Ginny Lemon is so different to a gothy Kendall or whatever like a de- the British drag culture is just so diverse and pulls from so many mm. different references that's why I think the the video is fun because it's not just like the same cookie cutter style um, artist over and over again. So I definitely wanted to show that off. And obviously you got to go on Drag Race. Fabulous. Yes, I got to go in a DJ, which was super How, fun. I mean, like when you when you first saw Rue, like IRL, like yeah. just paint the picture because I can only imagine that he is like 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 a, like a Greek statue. That's how yeah. I envision. I've met Rue a few times before actually and had some nice little right. chats and we follow each other on, on Twitter and stuff. So we're, we're like okay. DM now and again or whatever. But um, but and I've never seen Rue in drag. I think that, right. and apparently that really takes your breath away when you're, you're actually in front of like the queen of the universe. Um, yeah. But Rue's has always been super nice to me. Really yeah. super pleasant, really cool. And we have, a, a, Rue's obsessed with music and is an absolute encyclopedia of music across all genres. And so we mm. have that, that we have that sort of connection. We've always spoken about music. Um, but Drag Race was, was so fun. Very cold in the workroom. They keep the temperature okay. very, very, very cold. I think to keep everyone's makeup on. Right. Yeah. It's been like, but it's been like walking keep- into a freezer. Like it's freezing. Right, I see. Yeah. Yeah. So faces don't move. Let's yeah. be to stay alert. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's also the Botox, I think, across the board. I mean, <laughs> listen, you, you said it hard, not me. Yeah. Okay, now back back to you out of London. Because I always ask people who and anybody who does this um podcast, do you still take the tube? How are people with you on the tube? Because do you do you go out on the tube like in full drag? 
as a general rule, no. Um, mainly from okay. a, mainly from a safety perspective. Um, Let's talk about that. Yeah, I'm. I do know a lot of drag queens and extravagant looking people who love getting on the tube and love getting stared at. But I've always avoided it in drag, just from a safe. Just I wouldn't really want to be started on. I think I'd feel quite vulnerable. Okay. Um, but that's just my my personal um, thing. I actually did get on the tube last week in drag because I'd finished a photo shoot and I thought, and I was with a, a gang of friends and I thought, oh, let's just get on the tube because that'll make great pictures. <laughs> you know, such Baby, a people person. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I did it for the gram. Uh, but um, I I use the tube um, all every day uh, um, in the daytime. Yeah. If I'm going to the studio right. or if I'm going, you know, popping to, you know, town to meet some friends or grab some stuff or whatever. Um, I love the tube and I know it inside out. Some people really struggle with the with the tube in general, don't they? And get really lost. Yes. Or we've had a mixture of people on, 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 on the podcast where like some people, you know, just don't really like making small talk with people, which I respect. I, I had someone on who said they only like to get use their motorbike. Uh, yeah. We have the glorious Fat Tony on yeah. who famously spent like thousands of pounds getting Ubers because he was yeah. like that. Yeah, I I definitely put my headphones on. I'm not I I'm not chatting to people on the tube. I'm 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 sort of AirPods on, head down, just like just getting from A to B. Um, I'll always get Ubers in drag, and um, I haven't been in a black cab for a long time because they're so expensive. I mean, they are a bit spinny, aren't they? Oh they my gosh, but black cabs are such a sort of a London icon. But like from town to my house, it's like forty quid or something. The last time I got in a black cab, it's so expensive because you hit traffic and that meter just keeps going up and up and up. I think black cabs should be cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know, man. They're talking about you know when they just know exactly how to get somewhere. I find they study that shit. I think for like three years and like they know extensively. Yeah, that's what it's called. Yeah, the knowledge. Yeah, the knowledge. Yeah. Um. Okay, my last question, Jodie. What do you want for London in the future? So we, we've touched on this like in the in the sense of like club land. And I know it's a big old question because I know you're not officially the night czar, but I feel like I feel like you could be a, <laughs> a night czar advisor. Yeah. What, what, okay. What, what 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 do you want for London in the future? I think there should be some level of rent control because they have that in New York in a lot of you can get like a rent control department where it's like buying yeah. By like city law, your landlord can't put your rent up or something. I mean, no one cool and creative can afford to live inside zone six anymore. Rent in London is astronomical and everyone's outpriced. Actually, talk to me about the first the first place that you lived it that you lived in, in in London. Do you remember your first flat or yeah. flat share? So I found it was on some like a Gumtree style website or something. I found a little room in an apartment in Marlebone. Which, Ooh, which sound, I know because I went to London College of Fashion and so it was sort of a five minute walk down to Oxford Circus where my college was. So I found this tiny little room with people I didn't know. And obviously I just started like, just started doing drag as I moved into that room. So I think these people were like, what? <laughs> Who's moved in? What? Who's this freak that's moved into the, the room? Um, and then after that, I got another flat share with flatmates I didn't know that I have advertised for and in the and about a month in to us living together i went out to work i think i was like doing the guest list at heaven or something 
I got home and they'd gone, cleared out all their stuff. They didn't rob me or anything, but they did a runner in the middle of the night. How mad is that? Wow. I so know. you had, oh. so you, you were shifted with all the rent? Yeah. Yeah, How their bedroom was rude. empty. They just literally upped and left in the middle of the night. Like it was very Erica Jane. I don't know if you watched The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, okay. but she's just done the same thing at the moment. But um, I was like, oh, I now need to find a new... I've got to have the thought of that for years. That's so funny. And, I, and, I, and as, your pro, as your profile has risen, is it, has anybody, any of those, those old flatmates uh, crept, crept into the DMs? Or no, they probably don't know it's me. I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure, I can just imagine that one of them has just been like watching TV one night or like listening to you on the radio and be like, hang on, hang on, wait, it's uh, uh, uh. <laughs> We did a run it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was me! <laughs> Jenny, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for your time. You're so You're welcome. You're an absolute gem. And oh. hopefully I'll see you on the dance floor soon, hon. A hundred percent. I'll hold you to that. hundred <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The City, a podcast dedicated to, in my humble opinion, the best city in the world. Now, don't forget, if you like what you've heard, tell your mates, give us a rating, and I'll be back with a full series in the autumn.